Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. People being up there. Um, yep. Late after the game. Never want to have a podcast in halfway through because, um, because the they're getting kicked out of the press box. So we're not going to do that. Uh, first impressions podcast. Just starting out. I think. Uh, we got to say the score first because it's incredible. Fifty-four to nineteen. Well, yeah, that's kind of where I was going with it. Was just fifty-four to nineteen um, for the final score. The the remarkable part about it isn't that it was a blowout because I think a lot of us expected a blowout from the Cowboys. It was a bad matchup for them for the beginning. Um, but it was how the score happened. Uh, it, it was still 21-19 to 19 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Is that correct? Yep. I didn't dream that. Or, uh, I think it was 21-19. Yes, yes. Yeah, be, it was 21-19 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um and then the Colts do what the Colts have honestly done all season, and they uh, cough the ball up in rapid succession. I believe four consecutive turnovers went fumble, interception, interception, fumble, and the next thing you know, the game was over. Um, just a remarkable turn of events, a remarkable way for a game to go bad on you. We're going we're gonna to get into the categories in a little bit, but just uh, wanted to start off, with Nate, with your, your – it just first blush, first initial reaction. Uh, we're kind of it's. This might be the hardest thing I'm asking you all day because, uh, it's getting hard to talk about this team. <laughs> it is, you know, and for this game, like on some levels, it was absolutely predictable as far as them getting blown out and them turning the ball over and getting overwhelmed in the moment against a team that has a lot better players and guys like Micah Parsons and DeMarcus Lawrence who can feast on a team that has just given the ball away. The thing that was different today, which is the story I ended up writing, is that the dam broke on the defense. They've never folded like that until today. And I I don't think it's coincidental. I don't like, yes, obviously the Cowboys have a very talented offense. They're, they're rolling. They can score 40 on, on teams. But this was a total human reaction today. This was a team that they were down 21-19 when they thought they got an interception from Isaiah Rogers, senior. And it was like the moment where like they're trying to get their offense back into it. Well, the offense had a decent game at that point, but they're trying to they're trying to do what they can to keep this going before Dallas takes over. And they have that play, and then all of a sudden, not only does it get ruled not an interception, but there's a personal foul on Zaire Franklin that he was – he thought was questionable, um, but but what ends up happening is, and then Dallas just marches down scores, and they're down two scores, and that's when it totally unraveled. Because what happens is when this team drops, goes down two scores, 
The offense gets in predictable passing situations, which they can't pass protect, and their quarterback can't move around, and he doesn't have a great arm, and it's just terrible to be in that situation. And then the defense knows. They just, like, these guys are human, and they just know this team is not coming back from down two scores. They're just not. The only times they've won this year is when they've held it close enough and they're down within, like, less than seven on the final drive. And then there's a way that Matt Ryan's leadership and all that shows up. But it's such a perfect formula they have to chase. And when they realized that that was gone within this game and then within the season, a loss would drop them to 4-8-1. and one. And that, when you hit that eighth loss, when you can no longer have a winning record, I feel like is that psychologically that feels like a the end of the season. So today I think they felt like this is unraveling. They started to press. A talented team just exposed them in the moment. And this was a total sort of bottoming out of a of a was really a, a very solid defense, but they're human and they're frustrated, and they paid the price for an offense that continues to mess it up every single week. Let's get into the categories. It's a loss, their third loss in a row, and their sixth in the last seven. Uh, we'll start with villain, villain of the game. Uh, there's two pretty obvious ones here. I'm going to see where you go first before I make mine. I'll go with Matt Ryan today. So I've been, uh, obviously, I've, at times I've Nicer been, to uh, Matt Ryan uh, than I have. I've been nice to Matt Ryan kind of all year because I, I do think he's gotten a raw deal with this. But at the same time, it's fair to acknowledge, like, he looks shot out there. He just, his arm looks shot. I, you know, he, I just think if he, that, that's where he is at this point after he, you know, he, He's 37 years old. He came in this season. He was never really an electric arm before this year. He certainly wasn't early in the year, but it was, I felt like it was capable. But ever since that separated shoulder, I feel like any arm strength has kind of gone out the window. So he had the one throw to Alec Pierce. It was like, you know, a 40 yard gain, uh, 45 yard gain, I think it was. That was sort of like a dialed up shot, step into it, throw early in the down. That's as best as he can get, though. And right now what's happening is that if he – it has to be dialed up and perfect like that or otherwise, like if he is standing up straight or, God forbid, stepping backwards, it's it's a duck. It sails on him. Like all, almost all the picks, the the bad plays were these sailed throws of sort of desperate. He's, he's throwing late, and part of that's like – I mean, he's kind of throwing late a lot this year because he's been surprised by pressure or – what I think is happening lately is that like they don't he he know he's a smart player he knows his arms not there anymore he can't take as many of the progressions as he wants to take so he ends up waiting for something to open underneath that's not open and then he forces it late that was the pick to Colin Granson I felt like so I just thought like Matt Ryan like he did not get what he asked for here but at the same time the only way that this would possibly work is to have an incredible team around him because at this moment, after the separated shoulder, his arm's shot, he can't move, you know, and it's it's just so limited to the point where it, it's hard to see them having a great offense with a quarterback who is as limited as he is right now. I, I real quick before I get to my villain, I, I just thought that, like, I, I, I hadn't watched Matt Ryan on a week-in, week-out basis a lot. Um, I covered it several several games of his when I covered the Saints, obviously, but just the lack of anticipation on his throws, it just it, it kind of puts him a level below Philip Rivers in my mind. 
um, who's the mo- who was kind of the guy that everyone compared. Uh, like Rivers' arm was probably worse than Ryan's, if we're being honest. But he he would throw with such anticipation, especially on those out routes. You know, like the pick Ryan threw to Granson today. It, it was the placement wasn't there because it was a little bit too far inside, but it also came out late and gave the defensive back an, an even better chance to pick it off. And I I just felt I felt that early in the season. I felt that today. He's just been kind of late. My my villain is is this, this is the other obvious one, Jeff Saturday. Um, not not throwing the challenge. I, I don't know if the Colts get that overturned. I think you have to throw it there on the Isaiah Rogers pick. You yeah. just have to. Yeah. Um, because well, you know what if they decide it gets overturned? It's such a huge play in the game. We saw how huge it ended up being. That that seemed like the chance the Colts had to take maybe a little bit of well their second chance to take control of the game because the first one they botched when Ryan. Um, Ryan's pass sailed a bit and bounced off the hands of Alec Pierce for a pick at the end of the first half. But um, the other thing, there's there's other stuff with Saturday too. I mean, you know, they're running the ball on first down, like almost every first down right now. Their run over expectation has gone way up since he took over. And it's the same run play all the time. Um, it's always between the tackles. And like they were in one reverse to Paris Campbell, but like very little trickeration. And, well, as I've been told many times, anything that's not a straight-ahead run is cute and therefore bad. Mm. Um, so I, I think some people are okay with that. True. I'm not. I guess, I'm being the, I very, guess the Cowboys I'm were being cute. I'm very sarcastic right I be, now. I guess the Cowboys were cute and bad today because they did a lot of misdirection and they ran for 220 um, yards. But, yeah, they, they're running the ball – they're they're predictable with the way they do it on first down and you saw even on the 15 play 90 yard drive taylor had a 19 yard run to start it and then he was he had five carries for zero yards the rest of the way including two big losses that they had to make up for cowboys are a bad run defense but it's easy when they know what's coming and they kind of know it's coming i think that's a saturday thing i mean i know parks frazier is a first time play caller but it's jeff said we all kind of knew jeff saturday was going to run the ball when he got here and the way they're doing it right now is, like, people scoff at the tendency stuff and, like, knowing what the tendencies are and trying to break them. There's been this this vein going through the fan base and, and local media that, like, you should just be able to do what you do and it doesn't matter what the defense does. I, that's a high school thing. I'm sorry. That's, oh, that's literally what the week of preparation is in the NFL is figuring out how to attack your opponent and then making it so that they can't know what you're doing. And the way they're playing right now, it's simplified and it's easy to see. And so that, that's that's my villain. We'll go to the hard one now, uh, the hero category. This is a tough one today. Hero's a tough one. I'm going to go with Stephon Gilmore. Um, Stephon Gilmore had a pick that set the Colts up in great position. They got the ball at the 19-yard line, and then they kicked a field goal from the 16-yard line. And that's just... It's kind of what they are at this point. Like, you you give them an opportunity to go 19 yards, and they can't do it. And other moments, like, every time the Cowboys got a turnover, it was a touchdown. It was, like, automatic. And the defense talked about that. It's hard to be on short fields, and it is. But somehow the Colts never make it hard on the opponent to be on a short field, or very rarely does it feel that way. And Stephon Gilmore, to me, I just think he's been everything they asked for. They just they, – we talk about not – bringing your end of the bargain they didn't bring their end of the bargain he didn't come here for a team that was going to score 16 points a game you know and 
you know, and be what they are. Like he's the only guy really producing turnovers. He's he's the reason they've sealed wins against the Chiefs and the Broncos. Um, so they like he is, and I also just want to give. I know this doesn't mean a ton to fans who are for, who are all about the performance, but the jobs we're in, I just I like those guys who are classy and professional all the time. They're themselves all the time. And Stefan Gilmore's one of those. Every time I talk to him, he's maybe not the flashiest guy. You know, when they win, they have a big moment. He's he's not kind of out there. But, like, he is so, so consistent. Like, when they lose, he, he steps up and he faces the music. He, take, he took so much blame for the one play that he really messed up, which was the Terry McLaurin catch that set up the Commanders game when he touched down. Like, he doesn't feel better at all he's not been changed at all by this and I just think like they got exactly what they wanted out of him which is a Pro Bowl level cornerback number one cornerback go up and make the plays at the clutch moments create the turnovers you need to have and just every other level this team has failed and today was another example of that I thought he was phenomenal today and yet you barely notice it because of everything else that happened um, uh, in, in a tough day, and I know he had the pick go off his hands and probably wanted it back, I'm going to go Alec Pierce. Um, the touchdown was a thing of beauty, you know, wrestling away from Kelvin Joseph. He had the 45-yard catch. It was the first time that they'd gotten a look where the safety wasn't right over the top of him, and when he's had those looks, he's often made teams pay this season. Um, the the teams this He's probably hurt the most of anybody on the team by their – just unwillingness to push the ball down the field and not just on the deep ball but like the 20 yard crosser and stuff like that is stuff that that they wanted to do with him and did in training camp and they just haven't run any of that stuff lately uh so uh you know not a perfect day from him but with with a rookie receiver it's just good i think it's good if if you're a colts fan to be reminded that there's something there with alec pierce um there's something that that can be mined there and and so that's that's my hero. We'll go we'll go unsung hero. And I'd just say with Alec Pierce, good bounce back for him too, because I literally talked to him on Thursday about kinda his first real rough stretch. I mean he started a couple games were quiet, but the past month he's had three catches, a couple of zero catch games, and he just said like what he's had to learn is that some games you produce a lot, but like maybe you didn't play that most complete game. And some other games you know, you, you don't have catches, but you did everything else right, and the ball didn't come your way. Uh, and Reggie Wayne was very, like, forthright this week about, like, Alec Pierce is playing well. Our offense is failing him, and we have to get him the ball. And I thought today was a course correction. So one thing I give the Colts coaching staff a lot of credit for, today they made a pointed effort, like, we're getting the ball to Alec Pierce, and he mostly delivered. Um, yeah, I mean, the other thing is, and he, he said this after the game, I'll probably – write about it a little bit later in the week but he just said like he felt after you know Denver and a couple of those games he um the second Jacksonville game he's felt teams have been much more aware of where he is with the safeties and having somebody over the top which we've seen mm-hmm. um so it's moving through the categories uh unsung hero will stay on the on the on the good side um I'm gonna go quitty pay here <laughs> And it's it's really off of just one sack and the way he played in the first half. But it's we're we're at this point now with the Colts where you're just looking for 
are are there young guys that they can build around? And if Quiddy Pay can stay healthy, he looks like a young guy that you can build around. He's a young guy that that might um, be something for this team in the future. And you know, I, I think I think the consistent production from him, both in the run game and the pass game, that's a piece you can use. So that's that's my unsung hero. Yeah, that's that's a tough one in a game like this. Um, I'm gonna go with. I don't know. I guess I'm gonna go with uh, Chase McLaughlin because. Okay. Like this is more of a season. There's a case. Thing, yeah, there's a case. But he's been money from like over 50 yards. Seven, seven out of ten. Seven out of ten, which is seven kicks over 50 yards is a lot. And like this team, if you look at how this team scores, it's a lot of long field goals. Like they, some games they would have no scoring if they didn't hit a long field goal. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's attempted eight from between 40 and 49 too. Yeah, and like you see their scoring on the year, they're averaging 16 points. Like he is a huge part of their scoring, and like it doesn't end up like it hasn't been like these clutch kicks. It's not like in these great performances, so it's kind of been overlooked as like, well, whatever they got a field goal, but like. He's the reason, like, he gives this defense a little bit of life is when they can even get a field goal drive. That feels like a good outcome for this team right now is they get a field goal drive. And a lot of these are ending 50-some yard kicks, and he did another one tonight. I think it was 52 yards, uh, which, you know, gave him a chance. to. They went up 10-7 at one point in this game. and that, that That's, like, that ends up keeping them in a game where they're up, you know, they're down 21-19 entering the fourth quarter like he's held them in a lot of games again it's just another player where he, he's just supposed to be a complimentary piece so the offense hasn't been there but I I think he's been everything they could hope for after the disarray of week one of you know firing Rodrigo Blankenship and not having a kicker we, that's back when we thought that was the problem with this team so they solved that for the most part and it's just everything else has made us kind of forget that for a little bit Unsung, unsung villain. Uh, this is an easy one for me. Jonathan Taylor um, felt like it's it's oh, it's never wow. it's never easy to know exactly whose job it is. Like it's never exactly easy to know exactly like whether or not the protection call was set wrong or something. We don't know that, um, but it sure looked like the first two sacks in the first half were on Taylor, and I think the ferocity of those and how quickly they happened kind of led to the unraveling of Matt Ryan. So Jonathan Taylor's pretty easy one. He's gonna his rushing numbers are gonna look fine at the end of the year, but yeah, it's been a season for him where the details have been rough. The the fumbles, pass protection, uh, early in the season when he was frustrated with the offensive line and, and kind of missing holes. It's it's like I said, his his rushing numbers are gonna end up looking okay, but the overall picture hasn't been great. Yeah, Taylor's a good pick for that the the details have just been so lacking for him which is shocking because you know we just thought he was so dialed in but it shows you how the easy comes hard this year for him uh i'm gonna go with moali cox because he doesn't get a lot of opportunities in the passing game anymore they've sort of transitioned him to more of like a sixth lineman because that's how badly they need blocking and He's got a tough job in that respect, but you know when you only get a few targets a game, you've got to be be respect or be counted on, you know, be consistent. And he to catch that screen and to fumble, I mean, they probably don't come back anyway. But that 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 was just like 
that was the snowball just took over. And it's one thing to, you know, it's one thing for the defense to give up a score off of a turnover when Dallas only has to go 20 yards at home in a dome. But, like, you can't be fumbling on a first down catch like that. So, um, to me, Mo Alley Cox just kind of showcased where this team is at, which is the depth pieces that they've banked on this year have just not really delivered. Uh, number of the day, this might be a little, I'll, I'll, I've got one in my head, so I'm going to. I'm going to use it because this is the hardest one probably with us in a dark car. Um, 33. <laughs> it's just such a simple number, but it's so odd. Like, they scored, the Cowboys scored 33 points. They went 33 and 0. Uh, 33 to nothing to, to end this game 54 to 19. It's just, it's just a, a spectacular number of points. And, like, I think, I think uh, columnist Greg Doyle said 13 minutes of game time. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and my number is simplistic because we're in a dark car. But it's related to that. It's five, which is the number of turnovers the Colts had. Five turnovers. And what's amazing is we were actually sure it was more. Remember, like, you, well, you were there were a lot of there were a lot of fumbles that, like, there were a lot of fumbles that got, you know, like Pierce had a fumble that his knee was down. Um, there was another one earlier in the game that I just can't remember right now. Like, there were other times that we were like, oh, they turned it over and they didn't actually or, turn it over. Or there was a moment where it was a turnover with Matt Ryan, but they said uh, the defender was down. So it just added like two, like an extra minute until the Cowboys scored. Like it just was like a turnover was inevitable tonight. And that's just the story of their season. And like, look, sometimes you like turnovers aren't always like the end all. Like if you turn it over because you're trying to come back when you're down, I mean, I'd go down that way too, but the problem is that like the Colts are like this is just who they are. And what's amazing to me is they have implemented this offense with Jeff Saturday and Parks Frazier that is simplistic and built around minimizing risk and minimizing hits on the quarterback and the risk for turnovers. And they come out tonight on the road in a dome and they have five turnovers which goes to show you like turnovers are as much about the situations you're in as anything else which is when your team goes down multiple scores and you're pressing and you have to throw and you have to draw back and the defense knows that and you're not built for that at all it's all personnel failures like again and again and again what happens is your identity is turnovers and that's been them all season long and it bit them again today Three things that brought me joy. Three th- three football things that brought me joy. Number one football thing that brought me joy. I Dallas Flowers returning kicks is fun. It's yeah. just fun. Like he just runs with such an abandon, and he's very clearly like looking at every kick return as a chance to take it back to the house. It's just it's great. Um, really really like it. Uh, I'm sure at some point it's going to get him in trouble, and I'm going to look dumb for saying this, but it's it's just fun right now. Uh, number two thing that I wrote down that gave me joy, I just Stephon Gilmore's pick. Mm-hmm. The, if you watch, if you watch it from behind, he's got this little forearm in the receiver's hip, and there's no way you could see it to call it because of where his hip, because of where his arm is, and basically, like he ran the route for him, so he was in position, and the receiver just ran into him and fell down, but he gave him just a little bit of a of a of an arm shiver. And and that that helped him fall down. So that was the second one. It was just like, just like veteran savvy on depl- on display. Um, 
And then the third uh, the third football play that brought me joy, and it this it really is tough a little bit in this game, but the uh, the the I, I don't always love the 50-50 jump ball fade in the in the red zone because it's a low percentage play typically, but when it when it gets completed the way it got completed to Pierce, it really is a thing of beauty, and you understand like why people chase it so much. Everything involved with the Colts, it's not there. Um, writers feel that, um, players feel that, coaches feel that. It's just like, unfortunately, it's a lost year. They're four, eight, and one, and like that's where Matt Ryan is on certain plays. Like, let's just survive to play another down. Like, we're just surviving to kind of move on and survive and 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 thrive and be our best selves at some other point when the scenarios are better. So. Those are not enjoyable plays to watch on on a, on a screen, but to me, I just I empathize with them for a little bit. I'm I'm calling a penalty on Nate for saying "be our best selves." I hate that phrase; it's a terrible phrase. Um, so that's a penalty. Ooh. I get to I get to do this because I'm hosting the podcast. Uh, <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the last four. We're gonna try to burn through these pretty quick. I'm sure you guys don't want to spend too much time in that game. Uh, too much blame and too little blame. We'll go with too little blame first, or too much blame first. Did anybody get too much blame in this game? I think that sometimes with these games we can pass on these cat- on some of the categories. We can just say there's there's a pass. Um, I guess I'll just – this is going to come off weird, but I'm going to say the defense only because – Ooh, controversial. Only because, to me, I just think it's a human reaction. Honestly, I like – someone said it to me years ago in this field, and it stuck with me forever. There was like every single human has a breaking point. And no matter how stoic they seem, they have a breaking point. You as a writer do, you as a fan do, you as a, you know, anyone who is a coach or a player. And to me, I think we saw the defense's breaking point. They weren't great to start the game. Don't get me wrong. They gave up touchdown drives. Uh, but it was a 21-19 game heading into the fourth quarter. They were in this touchdown or bust kind of mode. They thought they got a turnover. When they noticed the season was unraveling, they unraveled. And, like, it again, they you'd like them to play better in those moments. Would it have mattered? I mean, they would have lost 32-19 or something. It, like, that's where they're at at this point. It, it didn't matter to them, the margin in that moment, because that moment of going from to 4-8-1 and one was sort of like the season ending. And I just think they're going to get a lot of blame because, obviously, 54 points is terrible. But and, and it was a bad game for them. But at the same time, I think you got to – recognize the toll that this whole season has taken on them representing this offense and this team and they're human and they broke. Uh, I'll I'll just throw in Rodney McLeod here. Obviously CeeDee Lamb rolled over him. I don't really know in the moment if that's something that McLeod can feel that he's rolled over him. Um, you know, he, he made the tackle because you're also worried there about getting, especially the way the, the league is officiated now, you're worried there about getting a late hit penalty. I think I think if there was somebody who should have taken a shot, it was probably Bobby O'Karake when he got up. Um, McLeod obviously gave up another play on a move that Lamb made, but he had he had a couple other plays that were in the backfield. Um, I think everything kind of went to heck there, and the defense didn't play very well overall. But McLeod, I think maybe if you were if I was going to stretch for a too much blame, that's where I'd go. Um, too little blame. Too little blame is tough in a game like this. Um, well, I'll go while you're thinking about it. Yeah. Because I'm kind of doubling up on something else you said, but I'm going to go with Jeff Saturday. 
because <sighs> try to be careful here because I've never wanted to crush Jeff Saturday because I do think he was thrown in a position he's never been prepared for and he's admitted that at the same time he accepted the job so we have to judge him in the role that he chose to take and I think there's a temptation right now to say well this roster's bad like it's 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 not a fault of the coaches you can only say that if you also said that about the coach they had before this okay so <laughs> if you've said that all year long then I respect it then you're right but the problem is that the 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 noise on Frank Reich was so loud and so deafening and so adamant that that was the fix that that was the problem with this team that I hope that people are realizing the problems with this team are above the coach and the one they hired is by all means a you know he's a wonderful Colts legend in the ring of honor and he's doing his best and he's he's brought some things to them he's he has been a good leader and he's he's working with the offensive line but at the same time like everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses and and I just think Jeff has shown some weaknesses that are really just lack of experience it's it's natural it's not like a huge flaw but it or like a huge detriment on him but it, the fact of the matter is he doesn't he, he's not dialed in on challenges and timeouts and um and analytics and managing the offense and throwing in the right situations and um it's catching up to him right now in a way that like they again they can't afford much because they're a bad team and they're trying to win on the margins and they're not doing it right now so I think like it's very easy to step back and be like well Jeff Saturday took over a team that was always bad again to me that's only fair if you ever recognize that Frank Reich was in a tough position too um, but it really goes that way so I think too little blame Jeff Saturday in some ways too little blame for me goes to the Colts defensive line uh, the Cowboys don't give up sacks they just don't they've given up 15 now on the season which I probably by the end of the day something like four or six or something like that better than any other team but they you still need more out of the Colts defensive line uh Dak Prescott had a lot of time um yeah if if it was a bad day for the defense but you need more out of the defensive line I, I don't think I need to go into that one any further the last two categories uh one that might be a mirage takeaway that might be a mirage um <laughs> that one's tough. It really is tough because it felt like it, it felt like, like a was, mirage. It felt like this was like the manifestation of all the things that were, that are bad with the Colts this year. Um, I'll I'll go with one that might be a mirage is, and this is a this is a tough one. Um, I think Chase McLaughlin has earned the right to be back next year and competing. I don't know if he's going to be the long term kicker for this team yet. And we don't. We just don't know. That's that's why it says one that might be a mirage. Like it, it might not be. Um, maybe maybe the yeah. the consistency from distance con- continues. Um, but he is he is around eighty two or eighty three percent or something like that for the overall season. Um, that's that's a little below where you need to be. He hasn't been there. I I really like what he's done from distance. I really like basically everything he's done as a kicker. I mean he's he's for what he was asked to do he's done a very very good job i'm just saying that from a long-term perspective uh like in the offseason in the draft if someone's available in free agency i don't know that you go we're set 
Yeah, no doubt. It's a it's a week one that might be a mirage, but there was a lot of stuff that I felt like today was stuff to bank on. So that's that's the one I'd go with. Yeah. I think I'd probably double back on a little bit of what I said about the defense, which is the big plays from the defense I thought were a mirage. So, I, like last week, this is, this is where it's nitpicky because it feels like you're talking about outside of both sides of your mouth. Because last week I talked about how I did think there was regression coming from the defense, which is they're human, they'd face a toll, they'd sag a little bit. Today was sort of the bottoming out of that. Um, I do think, though, that today was rock bottom for them. Today was recognizing, like, this is our last moment to get a win before the season feels over. And that's where the big plays came was really late. I mean, those are the real big plays. Like, they played pretty well for a lot of that game, at least. Um, a lot of drives they played well. They they just fell apart late. I just think, like, they'll sag a little bit because, again, like, they don't have a lot to play for, but at the same time, Today, the big plays, the moments that came in, I think they were direct result of the frustration of not getting a turnover from Isaiah Rodgers and the turnovers they were having to deal with from their own offense and a season bottoming out officially to them. I really think I really got the sense of the locker room. This was where they were at with this season, and they're still a good defense. They're just like I, I just don't. I wouldn't they're go. Good. And they're say not that elite. They're, they're not elite. That that's very clear. They're not elite, but they're still a good defense. I think they'll be a good defense the rest of the way. But again, with the rest, like as the season's gone, how much? What will that ultimately mean? Will it mean one win? Maybe. Um, but but they're not they're not going to just get gashed like this the rest of the season. So this this was a mirage and a moment on the road against a talented offense and a bottoming out moment at the moment where they felt like their season was over. One to bank on. This is where we'll end the podcast. I, these are really obvious. Um, Matt Ryan's not going to get any better. <laughs> uh, I they the the previous three starts he'd been at the very least less disaster prone. All the disasters piled up in in an avalanche today. They he he just looks to me like a guy who is so afraid in the pocket and doesn't know what he's doing, or he's so afraid of getting hit that he can't play around the rest of it, this is who he's going to be even after the bye week. So that's that's my one to bank on. It's not going to get better with Matt Ryan. You might get something close to what we saw the last three weeks if he continues to start. Jeff Saturday was kind of weird about that. He didn't really answer our questions about that. Um, I also think the other – I'm going to give you a double one to bank on. If they change the quarterback, I don't think it's going to matter much. Well, that's where I was going to go a little oh, bit. You can do that. You can do that. Is Take that, that like this offense is predictable and simplistic and unexplosive and unthreatening, and that will be true with whoever starts quarterback. So I think there's a world where you can in this moment say maybe Nick Foles is the better option where he has more lively arm. He's, he does like to throw it on the, throw he it likes down to, the field he, more. he is more aggressive down the we field. We saw that in camp. I just have a hard time seeing any quarterback fix what's really going on here, which is at the end of the day you have an offensive line that at best, even under Jeff Saturday, at best is below average. And you have a scheme, though, that is they've schemed everything to negate any and all risk and be simplistic. There's so little motion in their offense. There's very little play action in their offense. There's very few runs that are not just Jonathan Taylor 
taking the ball up the middle. Um, so it just I have a hard time seeing any scheme or personnel elevate the quarterback. And if that's the case, then I don't think that putting in a backup quarterback is going to change it. Because if you think about Nick Foles when he has thrived, it was when he stepped in for an Eagles team that had an amazing roster. And in, even though people don't maybe love to hear it on this podcast, a great coaching staff at that time, which was Doug Peterson and Frank Reich and, and the trust and the understanding they had with that quarterback. I mean, right now, like, you just have to be real. Just Saturday stepped in in the middle of the season and took over and is trying to be a head coach and try to manage a bazillion things he's never managed before. He is not going to be a guy who elevates the passing game. That, that That's just not, that's not what he's about. That's not what he prepared for that's not what he's here for so everything in the passing game is about what can you produce on your own pretty much and it's not been good so far and I just don't think changing the quarterback is going to really make that big of a difference that's it for the Colts cover two first impressions podcast I'm Joel A. Erickson we're joined by Nate Atkins you can look up our stories on IndyStar.com we'll have a few more this week but for the most part uh, unless big news breaks that we're not prepared for, for in the morning or, or sometime tomorrow afternoon, enjoy the bye week. Uh, the Colts are depressing. Uh, do something that makes you excited. Watch some Christmas movies. Uh, go check something out. Um, spend time with spend time with whatever your other favorite team is. Uh, like I said, enjoy the bye week. It's take we we all deserve it. It took us a long time to get here. We all deserve a little break. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.